So, Mom, this is my first show. Do you have any advice for me? No. Don't, Marilyn. <laughs> Just be yourself. Say what you want to say. Be confident like you normally are, and I think just go with it. Enjoy. I will try. Hello, my name is Maureen. I'm a retired nurse, and spoiler alert, my son Dustin and I will be talking about Artemis Fowl coming up next. So you have a long to-be-read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Twelve-year-old Artemis Fowl is a millionaire, a genius, and above all, a criminal mastermind. But even Artemis doesn't know what he's taken on when he kidnaps a fairy, Captain Holly Short, of the Lep Recon Unit. These aren't the fairies of bedtime stories. They're dangerous. Okay, so Artemis Fowl was originally published in April 2001 by Viking Press and had spawned seven sequels as well as the spinoff, The Fowl Twins. Now, once I heard that Disney was making a movie based on the first book, I got curious and found a digital copy to read online. I wanted to share this book with you guys because if you're like me, you didn't know this book series even existed until the House of Mouse got involved with it. I also wanted to share this with my mom because she loves her Irish heritage, and seeing as the author, Owen Colfer, is Irish, and the main setting is Ireland, it just seemed like a perfect fit. Side note, I hope Colfer isn't offended by the mispronunciation of his name. I'm doing better, but at first I thought it was eoin, like coin with an E instead. <laughs> That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Right, it does. Also, I didn't know Colfer wrote a book in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series, and it's entitled And Another Thing, as well as some works for Marvel. And sure, they're all sci-fi fantasy stories, but I think it really shows some versatility. You know, good it on does. him. We begin with a prologue, but it's more of a forward. The narrator is telling us about how much of an enigma Artemis Fowl II is. Apparently, he's so smart and clever, he baffles even the smartest minds on the planet. However, if he's so smart, why does he get involved in criminal activity? This poses a good question, because in my opinion, even the smartest minds can make the dumbest decisions. Very this true, very true. The story seems like it's going to serve as a case file for Artemis' big heist at the age of 12. <laughs> so we begin in Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh City to be exact. Artemis, pale from being an indoor kid all of his life, is traveling with his manservant aptly named Butler, who is described as a large Eurasian. I don't know what that is. Eurasian. European, but... Asian descent, kind of a mixture. Yeah, I guess he's just a mix. So. Yeah, that's all. We later find out that the Butler family has been guarding the fowls for generations. Each Butler child is sent to Israel to learn fighting, culinary arts, and other skills to serve the fowls. The current Butler has been with Artemis his entire life and knows the kid is something special. So Artemis has Butler grab their informant named Wynn against his will to make them take make him take him to this healer woman that he knows. For She works for rice wine. She heals. And they end up in an alley in front of a big triangular hole. Artemis gets out his night vision goggles and spots a tiny woman through the hole, draped in what appears to be rags. 
She doesn't really look up, but she does acknowledge him, asking for rice wine before she'll help. It's really creepy, and it does not feel safe at all. Yeah, it, 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 when I was reading the book, I noticed that there's a little bit to be suspicious of. They pour and offer some Irish whiskey, which is quickly snatched up by a green hand. A voice offers to heal whatever ailment Artemis has, but all he wants is her book. Okay. Now, she plays dumb, telling him that he'll find books in the library. He calls her out, finally, saying that she is no healer. She's a sprite, a.k.a. a fairy. Apparently, Artemis was expecting this pushback. Then he hits her with this winning hand. He's poisoned the whiskey she just drank with holy water, which will burn her from the inside out. It's pretty harsh tactics for a kid. It is. Yep, and kind of ruthless, too, if you think about it. That's kind of cruel. Yeah. For somebody you don't even know, you just need some help. He's kind of a little jerk. Yeah. From right off the bat. Yeah, he is. So she freaks out. Bested by a human child has gotten, it's got to hurt her ego, you know, for an old fairy. Mm-hmm. However, he has a proposition. He has the cure and a booster for her powers. And if she'll just look at, let him look at her book for a few minutes, you know, he'll give her, he'll give it to her. Reluctantly, she agrees as long as she gets the cure first. So, Butler takes pictures of the teeny tiny book they get. It's the size of a matchbox, apparently. He hands it back over, and they give the fairy the shot she needs to restore her powers. Though he tells her it's going to be unpleasant and hurt like hell for a day or two before she's restored, but I don't think she really worries about that. She collapses in agony, and Artemis and Butler leave for the airport. So, you know, later, out of curiosity, Butler asks why they didn't just kill the sprite lady and just take the book. And turns out Artemis didn't want any dead bodies to attract attention. And this is the only reason given. Not because it's wrong to kill or anything. You know? That's odd. I know. This kid's morals are really out of whack. Yeah, well. He says he put some retcon in her injection so that she won't remember the past week anyway. So I guess that's the way he's covering his tracks. But still. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Well, it's better than her being dead. (laughs) If you think about it. She's still... She's still alive and kicking when she wakes up after all this, but... uh, She's not going to remember it. No, she won't. We find out the main motivation for Artemis tracking down the book of the people is gold. Because, of course, money makes the world go round and turns little boy geniuses into villains. (laughs) Years ago, Artemis discovered the dark web and found tons of references to fairies and other magical civilizations collectively known as the people. He found out about their Bible, which is a deep history into their world, such as their laws and their customs, and he wants to use it to exploit them. I guess this is a roundabout way of teaching kids the way of the world. The wealthy will fool communities or civilizations for personal gain. That's really how this works out. Right, right. It sounds like it. The People's Bible is supposedly written in gnomish, like a gnome. He isn't worried, of course, because he's a genius and will most likely figure it out. His motto is, quote, know thy enemy, which sort of concerns me because he's already thinking of the people as his enemy. You know, it's not know thy mark, you know, who he's going to steal from. Mm -hmm. Enemy just seems so sinister. Artemis and Butler finally arrive home and we meet Angeline Fowl, Artemis' bedridden mother. Basically, she's been depressed since Mr. Fowl's disappearance and is being enabled by her doctors to, by calling it nervous tension and giving her a lot of sleeping pills. The rich are so dramatic. Hmm, that, yeah, that keeps her quiet and still. And It's like somebody's trying to shut her up. Yeah, exactly. 
not going to want to know what the dad was really up to. Or something, I don't know. We also meet Juliet, Butler's little sister. She's not too much older than Artemis, I gather, but she's a lot like Butler in that she's tough. She turns up distressed that she accidentally left a crack in the curtains and Mrs. Fowl is freaking out and cannot sleep. When Artemis checks in on his mother, she smashes something against the door until she notices it's him. That doesn't sound like, you know, not very stable. No, not really. She's scared and she's left alone in one room. Yeah, I'd, I'd be wondering who'd be coming through the door, too. A lot. Yeah. He fixes her curtains and lies to her that he's been on a school ski trip. Basically, he's enabling her, too, because he gets all the freedom in the world if she's not coherent enough to figure out his schemes. <laughs> I mean, does this kid even have a conscience? He doesn't, but he's kind of smart. That's true. <laughs> Uh As Artemis is leaving, it turns out his mother really is going a bit crazy, probably due to all the drugs she gets from the doctors. She says she hears things climbing the walls and then forgets who he is. It's really sad, actually. Mm -hmm. However, I think if Artemis was less selfish, he would get his mother some actual help instead of just letting her stay locked up in a room all the time. Exactly. Yeah, He'll need to do that. He'll need to do that right away or she will be lost to him. So Artemis starts trying to translate the Bible of the people. He gets his computer to scan the pages and runs a program to compare all the languages, but comes up with nothing until he looks at it and figures out it looks remarkably Egyptian. However, this just puts out random words in no particular order. Nonsensical gibberish. Of course, he's not going to give up that easily. Though I probably would have at this point because, again, I'm not a genius. Long story short, he gets it translated. Next, we learn that the Fowl family have a long history of being criminal masterminds, hence their, quote, wealth. Mm-hmm. However, Artemis's dad, Artemis Sr., made some bad investments and apparently pissed off the Russian mafia, like you do, and has been MIA for quite some time. Oh, so he's on the run. Yes. So young Artie decided he's got to get them back to billionaire status. I wonder what it would be like... To, you know, think that you couldn't survive without millions or billions of dollars. Isn't that, I mean, just, how would that live? How would that life be? I don't know. Ask Jeff Bezos and see what he's held you. (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. It's kind of sad. Yeah, kind of. But it could be amazing. (laughs) Yeah. One could dream. To find out his answer. That would be amazing. What is? Yeah, I would love to know. Yeah. In the next chapter, we go below ground and meet Holly Short, and the confusing terminology of the people hierarchy begins. I like Holly. I do like Holly. Well, Holly is an elf, part of the fairy civilizations. Mm -hmm. So she's also a fairy, kind of like you mom would be Irish-American, I guess. Right. She is three foot tall, so her name is accurate, Short. Holly is also a leprechaun which we find out is actually a job in the fairy world. Lower Elements Police Recon Division. Lep Recon. (laughs) (laughs) She is the rank of captain. She is. (laughs) So Holly is worried about her boss, Commander Root, who doesn't like her because she's a girl and no girl has ever worked for recon before, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, though, Holly is freaking because she hasn't done the, quote, ritual. This thing where a fairy plants a seed to reload their magical abilities under the moonlight. It's weird. This is a thing that is needed for her job. So why hasn't she been doing it? I don't know if she wants to use her 
all her powers yet. I don't know, but... I'm not sure. She just hasn't been doing it. I don't know. Why would you not want the magic? It's just weird to me. I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. I haven't figured that out. Well, that's mistake number one, Holly. There's an entire civilization of gnomes, elves, sprites, and other things living under the Earth's surface. They call us mud people. It's all pretty silly, but I'm going to go with it. They apparently live their days opposite. The moon rising is their morning, like, because Holly eats breakfast at this time, so Mm -hmm. I gathered this. She arrives in time to report in, but Commander Root has it out for her anyway. He says it is because she's a girl that he's doing this for her own good. In the past, she effed up some assignment, and as a result, time had to be stopped, and some mud mud people's memory had to be erased. So, Holly is the underdog story of this story. So, after begging for a chance, Root gives Holly an assignment to report on a possible troll attack in Italy. Holly immediately rushes to her mission via the underground tunnel system where she meets up with Foley, a cynical centaur (laughs) who thinks that mud people are actually spying on them. (laughs) Which is kind of funny to have a conspiracy theorist in the fairy realm, you know. After a bunch of jargon that I don't feel like repeating, she gets into a capsule and is hurtled to the Earth's surface by the pressure of magma. You know, like, dang. Yeah. You'd think they'd figure out a safer way to get around. <laughs> By this time. Using magma. <laughs> yeah. She gets up to the surface and immediately notices the polluted air. She hates mud people for destroying everything they touch. Damn, this book is just filled with a bunch of love for the humankind. She does make a funny note that she can't believe we have a room for the toilet, though. Indoors. <laughs> we poop and pee indoors. Right. We humans, I don't know what's wrong with us. No. (laughs) We mud people. (laughs) What's wrong with us? We want to have some privacy. (laughs) Go figure. So she puts on some motorized wings and begins to follow the blip on her locator watch. The troll has apparently destroyed a lot of crap in its path. We learn some of the powers fairies have, which are healing and shielding, which, you know, remaining hidden from people mainly, and something called the Mesmer. Right. Holly reports the destruction to Commander Root and lets him know that the troll is going to destroy the town and there are children in danger. He tells her not to get involved, but of course she turns off her headset and gets involved. Right. Right. Another mistake, Holly. Long story short, a lot of things get destroyed and she gets exposed to the humans in the process. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They take care of it, of course, but she's in deep shit from Commander Root. (laughs) But she assures him that a child called out for help, and she took it as an invite to run interference. Good That's save, right, girl. Because they have to be invited. Right. They can't just go and help anybody. They've got to be invited to do so. Well, however, when she can't pull up her shield in front of a human, Root figures out that she hasn't been re-energizing with the ritual and commands her to charge up ASAP. Right. Meanwhile, Artemis has figured out all things fairy, including the ritual. He explains to Butler and Juliet that if they can grab a leprechaun when they come up to do the ritual, they will have the leverage they need to get their hands on fairy gold. Mm. They start gathering their supplies, which includes sunglasses for some reason. Nice plan if it works out, Artie. Holly is now on her way to a special spot for soaking up the moonlight. She toys with the idea of stopping off at Disneyland Paris. (laughs) Yeah. And this makes me giggle since... You know, we're told as some operatives of recon work as dwarves in the Snow White ride. 
Gotta she, have a sense of humor, Dustin. Exactly. Well, it kind of fits, though, now that Disney owns this property. You know. uh, yeah, well, they had to mention it somewhere. <laughs> well, no, I mean, this was already in it before, from what I understand. Anyway, she's using some nicer wings this time around and flies quite a distance. Apparently, <laughs> she the best spot is in the, quote, old country, which happens to be Ireland, of course. Of course. As Mom and I know, most fairy stories and folklore really started in the Irish region. So it makes sense for the story to be based there of all places. Even though they don't like the mud people, her community does hold a special place in their hearts for, for the Irish. Mm-hmm. That's kind of sweet in a way. Right. It really is. So Holly sets up camp at a little more secluded spot, just as Artemis and company arrive to snatch her up. There's a bit of a standoff, and Holly is amazed at how comfortable Artemis seems, as well as how familiar with their customs he is. Nevertheless, she tries the mesmer, which is mind control. Kind of like being compelled in the Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work. They shoot her up with a hypodermic needle and take her. Oh. I think this would probably be the time to let you know that my mom actually didn't get through the entire book. No, She sorry. got up until right before Holly performed the ritual. So this is all new information to her. Exactly. Can't wait to find out what happened. <laughs> <laughs> A brief time later, Foley, the centaur, calls Commander Root to show him some disturbing footage he caught on Holly's helmet. They see the entire interaction with Artemis take place and immediately plan to rescue Captain Short. Elsewhere, Artemis is drooling all over the fairy technology he's confiscated from Holly. He finds a tracking device and devises a plan to mess with those who are going to be tracking this fairy chick he just captured. As Butler drives, Artemis is messing around with the tracking device trying to figure out and not destroy it at the same time. They arrive at the docks, some shipping docks, and Artemis has Butler pick a fight with a group of guys as a diversion, for some reason. Even though he doesn't like to do it, Butler seems pretty badass when it comes to kicking ass. Artemis meets back up with Butler at the car, but Butler has no idea what the diversion is for. I'm sorry, I know he's Butler's, quote, master, but the kid is 12. Shouldn't he at least clue this guy in? The adult? I would think so, if he wants to have some help and when he needs it. So Commander Root is arriving at the surface, getting everyone who is doing the ritual to head back below ground because the mud people have gone and gotten hostile, (laughs) y'all. At the same time, Holly is waking up in her cell at the Fowl Estate. At first, she doesn't know who she's talking to, but it turns out to be Juliet with a pair of sunglasses on. Holly thought she was a blonde fly. (laughs) So when Juliet mentions the name Artemis Fowl, Holly shivers with a negative intuition. And that can't be good. She's just like, that name. Just It's something about that name. Mm. Holly tries the mesmer again on Juliet, but it doesn't work. It's those damn glasses. She tries to get Juliet to take them off, but Juliet is afraid Artemis would find out. So that doesn't happen. So Holly decides to threaten Juliet with physical violence, but Juliet calls her bluff. Apparently, Artemis discovered that if fairy folk are in a human home, they have to obey the human's wishes. Oh. Damn, the kid thought of everything, didn't he? He did. Not to fret, Holly has a plan. (laughs) Elsewhere, Root is flying above Ireland, Dublin to be exact, complaining that humans have changed the coastline and he's having trouble navigating. For such a prestigious character, he sure is out of touch. And bumbling. (laughs) I almost imagine him looking like Monterey Jack from Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. 
we soon discover what Artemis was up to. Root is following the tracking device, and it has since gone offshore on a boat, maybe? Root touches down on a ship, a whaler, which is seemingly deserted. He doesn't take any chances, though, and searches all over for Captain Short, but only finds rats. Mm. Finally, he tracks her signal to her room, but no one is in there. And just then, a cocky little voice on an intercom that introduces himself as Artemis Fowl II. He wants to demonstrate how much of an asshole he can be to get what he wants. Just then, he detonates a bomb remotely and makes Root run for it. Oh my god. Which we learn that, quote, Darvit is a fairy curse word, apparently. And it's mm. used multiple times throughout the book. Okay. Darvit! <laughs> he barely escapes the explosion, but when he does... He orders his team to learn all they can about this Artemis foul. Uh-oh. Artemis is very pleased with himself for tricking the fairy commander. Mm-hmm. Kid nearly killed someone and is just grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> we finally start to see that there is something a bit more humane about Artemis. He sees Holly on his surveillance cameras, looking sad and trapped. He actually considers her more human than he anticipated. Finally, this little sociopath you know, may learn a little empathy. okay we'll see he starts to go down to the basement to chat with holly but juliet stops him she's all worried because mrs fowl is claiming artemis senior is back but won't let holly into the bedroom artemis has a flash of should i choose family or the mission luckily he makes the wise choice and climbs the stairs to his mother's room he hears her talking and giggling but when he enters the room she's alone and talking to a pillow with lipstick all over it oh instantly she thinks artemis is her father, and asks if she and Artie Sr., a.k.a. the pillow she's propping up like a puppet, okay. can have the night to themselves. Of course, this makes Artemis sad, and is the only redeeming quality about him so far, the love for his mother. Yeah. He nearly cries, but holds it back. Back to the mission. Downstairs, Holly feels an acorn that fell into her boot when she was performing the ritual. Apparently, if she plants a seed, or acorn in this case... She can use it to get her magic back or something. Right. She looks around, but everything is concrete. Then Artemis shows up in his usual cocky way. She is not happy, snarling at him. She tells him that bringing humans and fairy worlds together will be a disaster, but he doesn't care. She's also amazed at his knowledge of their customs, and he is very fluent and gnomish. What is this kid, Johnny Five? <laughs> Did he get the head key from lock and key and just throw all the books into his brain? I'm jealous that he can learn that fast. He tells her that he knows there's a fund for fairy hostages. A gold fund. She plays dumb until he tells her that he shot her up full of truth serum. And she told him herself. She calls him crazy and his response is, If I win, I'm a prodigy. If I lose, I'm crazy. That's the way history is written. He's Does he not kid. sound like Hans Gruber from, he, like, Die Hard? He's just uh, he's crazy. A, yeah, he's a smart kid, though. He's got all his... Once you get all his ducks in a row, and I think he's mining them up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, huh? Well, okay, as it turns out, the readers let in on a little secret. He actually didn't use any truth serum. Uh-huh. He just pricked her with a sterile needle to make her think that he had used a drug on her. Oh, uh, okay. He even thinks it's a bit cruel. It is. Yeah, mind games are, in general, are cruel, Artemis, you little bastard. (laughs) Anyway, she thinks she spilled all those secrets, and she hadn't. Like, he's messing with her mind. He's gaslighting her. Mm -hmm. To top that off, he tells her that she's been there for three days. (laughs) She's only been there for three hours. 
why is he fucking with her head? I, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it just seems excessive. Yep. He, he wants to get what he wants to get. Well, she finally calls his bluff. If he knows so much about what is going to happen, then he must be prepared to deal with a troll. Artemis is clearly shaken because he didn't know about any trolls. Hmm. She kind of laughs in his face like, nah, 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 nah. You're going to get your ass kicked, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for it. As soon as Root gets bandaged up, Foley the centaur gives him the lowdown on Artemis. Apparently he is very good at, you know, hacking into the Interpol's mainframe. Interpol is international police, by right. the way, for those who don't know. He tells Root all about the Fowl family, but especially the fact that Artemis is only 12. Root is really surprised that Fowl Manor is so close by that they could make it there before first light. Apparently, sunlight weakens their powers, which is why they are active at night. Foley feels like something is off, and he would be right to feel this way. Why would a child do all this masterful planning and then casually drop his own name? Foley tries to speak up, but Commander Root just doesn't want to hear it. They fly to Fowl Manor, which is an old castle estate. They land and everyone starts to sweep the grounds. Lieutenant Cudgeon, an old academy friend of Root's, tells Root that they should just blast Fowl Manor away. But Root reminds him that Holly is inside. And Cudgeon doesn't think much of a female officer. Chauvinism, y'all. He says they could basically explain her death away. Then Root says he must be part human and immediately apologizes because that's a major insult. Meanwhile, Butler and Artemis freeze frame the cameras and spot the LEP retrieval team sneaking onto the property. They are shielded by the human eye, but not the camera. Artemis gives Butler Holly's headset that he's fiddled around with. They play around with the settings until they find the anti-shield setting. Artemis sends Butler out to do what he does best but says he'd prefer Butler just scared them to death. Mm. How sinister can you get? Yeah, really. <laughs> we get to learn about the team surrounding the house, led by Captain Trouble Kelp. Yes, <laughs> Trouble is his first name. <laughs> Interesting name. <laughs> his younger brother is in his squadron, and there's a lot of unnecessary family drama that happens. But in a nutshell, they underestimate the humans, and Butler comes at them with his shield-blocking goggles on. They timidly fight him, which, of course gives him even more of an upper hand. One even tries to shoot him, but he swats him away like nothing. Now, almost everyone is knocked out except for Captain Kelp's little brother, Corporal Grub Kelp. These names are not... I mean, they're, yeah. they're silly, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Butler tells Grub Kelp to get him a negotiator so they can get on with the hostage exchange. Downstairs, Holly is now using her bed to dig a hole. She's picking it up and slamming it back down on the concrete to break it apart. Juliet comes in to check on her, and Holly says she's just banging for attention because she's hungry. And Juliet goes along with this and leaves for some fruit and some veggies, and Holly continues to slam the bed into the ground. So the LEP retrieval team is about to do a time stop over the foul estate. So warlocks used to do this by casting spells, but Foley, the genius centaur, figured out a way to do it mechanically. He seems to think that Foul Manor is actually a perfect place for a time stop. A little too perfect. Hmm. He tries to say something to Root, but the commander is such a freaking stubborn mule and tells him to, quote, push the button already. The time stop shield goes up, so everything on the grounds, including the house, will be stuck in nighttime for the next eight hours as the world around them wakes up to a new day. It's kind of neat. 
Yeah, it is. They get into a big fight, though. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Foley decides to tell Root to watch his back when it comes to Lieutenant Cudgeon, his old friend. He just knows that the lieutenant is going to stab him in the back. But of course, just like with everything else, stubborn Root doesn't listen. Stupid. Yes. <laughs> He's like such a stereotypical arrogant military leader. They're just, you know, there comes a time when you should just retire, my man. Just that may be this time. The last hurrah. Yes. Foley explains that they need to send Root in to negotiate, alone and unarmed. This is supposed to show a sign of good faith to the mud people. Of course, Root doesn't like this, but then Foley hands him a finger from off the weapons rack. It's actually a false finger. Covert ops. Okay. To put on, and it shoots a tranquilizer dart at the tip when you, like, tap the knuckle. Foley warns him to be careful because their idiot staff keeps forgetting they have it on, which is kind of hilarious when you think about it. They keep shooting themselves when they're, like, picking their nose and stuff. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Next, he's loaded up with his, quote, iris cam, a contact lens camera with two-way radio type of thing attached to it. It's very James Bond. Now, Artemis has noticed that the time has stopped, and he is pleased as pie about it. I've read enough to know that you shouldn't be too arrogant, either as the protagonist or the antagonist, and I'm still not sure which this kid is, but he shouldn't be so arrogant. He checks the monitors, and his mother has disappeared from her room. Something he doesn't seem concerned about at all. Like, she's not on the cameras. She's gone. Hmm. He also checks in on Holly, who is seemingly going nuts in her cell, but he questions it. Finally, he sees Commander Root approaching and giving himself a pep talk, where he actually thinks of himself as evil and sinister. He goes down to meet Root. Like, he literally thinks of himself as evil and sinister. Like, time to be evil. I'm like, my God. Kind of rooting himself uh, up, huh? Trying to get himself uh, what do you call that when people try to pump themselves up and they want to fight and stuff? Psych themselves up. Yeah, man. that. After insulting Root's intelligence, Artemis continues to talk down to the commander. He tells him that he knows about the steps they will be taking. He knows about the time stop, and if they don't come to his terms to negotiation, he knows that they are going to detonate a, quote, biobomb to take out everyone in foul manner. He won't even tell Root how he knows this. He's really conniving little creep. So he says he just wants one ton of 24 karat gold. Phew, that's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Root, of course, scoffs at that. But then Artemis tells the commander he's figured out a way to escape the time field. And now, suddenly, the whole Mrs. Fowl is missing on the monitors thing kind of makes sense. Root leaves and goes back to the command center to review his iris cam footage with the, quote, experts which all they do is argue and barely get anything done. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to mention their names. Just, they have names, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> they finally come to the conclusion that Artemis isn't lying, and then Root has one of my favorite quotes. He says, When I looked that human in the face, I figured he was either a genius or crazy. <laughs> Artemis's cool eyes glared at them from the screen. So which is it, asked Foley, a genius or crazy? What's the difference? That, my friends, is the truth, Brahm. Yes, you're right. A lot of people that are so eccentric act like they're crazy, but they can be very smart. Well, crazy doesn't necessarily mean dangerous either. No, it can, like I said, they can be very eccentric and they can just think of things that no one else would think of and all the nuanced things that they've got going on with the fairies and the lips and everything. 
the, the different kinds, the different kind of of armory and things that they have to fight with. It's very unique. So in the seventh chapter, we finally revisit someone we barely saw early on, Mulch Diggums, a kleptomaniac dwarf. I don't remember reading. You that. don't remember Holly running into him? That may well. She runs into him really briefly. It's really quick. Okay. You meet him. And he's stealing something at that moment, too. Okay. But she just kind of lets it go because she's in a hurry. Right, right. She otherwise would have been right. a cop. <laughs> so, he is seriously addicted to stealing from mud people, mm-hmm. breaking the sacred rules of obedience of their dwellings. And the punishment for this, he is given, he has to give up his magic. Mulch doesn't care because he likes to collect people stuff. <laughs> he's apparently a very good digger, kind of like a, a mole snake hybrid basically he unhinges his jaw eats the dirt and poops it out as he goes oh my gosh it's kind of gross when thinking of somebody humanoid doing this when they yeah. you know like how big is his butthole that he has to keep pushing out so much all that dirt, dirt. so fast and you know you know ugh. yeah these are real concerns i have for this mythical dwarf race right <laughs> it is weird we find out he's in a stone cell, something he can't chew through. He pissed off an LEP officer, and they put him in with a goblin gang. And there's some sort of turf war between goblins and dwarves. Goblin magic includes handling fireballs, which they threaten him with. So one of the goblins tries to blow fire at his no- out of his nose at Mulch, and he counteracts this by shoving his fingers in the dude's nostrils, which results... <laughs> It sounds almost like lava streaming out of the goblin's eyes, and then smoke, and then he passes out. It's kind of horrible. Yeah, it's yuck. (laughs) And the others attack Mulch, and he unhinges his jaw, grabbing up one in his mouth. And the LEP come in at this point and get Mulch. Commander Root wants to see him. (laughs) This makes Mulch nervous. It's daytime above ground, and dwarves like the dark underground because they have sensitive skin to sunlight. He meets Commander Root in the time portal, a walk through to the time-stopped area. It's clear that Root does not like Mulch. He's testified against him in court at least 16 times for all for petty theft that he's done. Mulch even steals an access card from Root at this very moment. <laughs> the commander does not even notice. So Root shows him foul manner, and after some negotiating the terms of his sentence, Mulch agrees to break in, since he's already broken the human dwelling rule. He can go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. Mulch and Foley's interaction is probably my favorite in the book so far. <laughs> Foley is such a smart mouth genius, and with Mulch's underhanded wit, they play off each other really well. And Foley is getting Mulch ready with his iris cam, complimenting his eyes. Mm-hmm. It's actually really cute. Mm-hmm. Mulch plays along, and Root gets just pissed off at the both of them for goofing off this whole time. <laughs> Finally, getting serious, Mulch says he can smell limestone and doesn't think he can get into the house if it's built on solid rock. Foley is way ahead of him, finding the wine cellar is built over on uh, over clay with a wooden floor. Oak, no doubt. They really are a good team, and I wouldn't mind more of a story between Foley and Mulch, actually. Mm-hmm. So Mulch dives underground, and everyone laughs at Foley for not moving out of the way when Mulch dirt shits up what he's been tunneling. <laughs> <laughs> so he jumps in, unhinges his jaw, and shit comes out of it, and it hits Foley in the face. It's pretty funny. Mulch finds the wine cellar easily. Some wine leaked out, and the clay ground tasted pretty awesome, it seems. Can a dwarf get drunk that way? Uh, I, I don't know. If it was enough. Maybe. <laughs> so he sneaks around and ends up trapped in a hallway between two cameras. 
Foley is a tech genius and loops footage from you know of the empty hallway for Mulch to sneak by. But then Mulch, who is gassy after ingesting the aerated lawn, has to explode fart. Oh, goodness gracious. No telling what's going to happen now. Yes. He's going to rock the... Well, just wait. <laughs> rock the things off the ceiling. He's holding... The floor. Well, he's holding it in, mm-hmm. and he gets Foley to help him navigate the place pretty quickly, because he's like, I gotta go. Uh, they find a lead-lined safe, and using his dwarf super hearing, manages to crack it open. Mm-hmm. What he sees sends him into shock, effectively releasing his explos- uh, explosion of gas. Oh my God, what did he find? Around the same time, Artemis discovers the looped surveillance footage. He feels duped, and rightfully so. Just goes to show there's nothing like the knowledge that comes with experience. This kid is smart, but he needs to be put in his place. Something tells me this is not going to happen since there are several sequel books out there, but what can you do? Mm-hmm. He sends Butler to sneak up on the thing in the safe room, and Juliet goes to check on Captain Holly Short, who has her continuing, you know, she's still bedbanging on the floor. Right. It's then that Artemis realizes what Holly is up to, but Juliet doesn't have her walkie-talkie. Tsk, tsk, tsk. Yes. So Butler's sneaking up on Mulch, and Mulch's ass explodes in Butler's face, throwing him against the wall <laughs> and knocking him out. <laughs> but not before he feels the embarrassment of this incident being caught in surveillance footage. Oh, He's like, God. oh man, Artemis is watching this. Yeah. <laughs> so Juliet, bitching about having to follow Artemis' orders, enters Holly's cell. Mm-hmm. Holly is now charged up with magic after finally breaking through the stone slab to, you know, to some dirt so she can bury her acorn. Her acorn, yeah, exactly. She easily manipulates Juliet with her mesmer, leaving the teenage girl to stare at the wall She's hypnotized her to think that she's watching wrestling on a wall TV that actually isn't there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Holly kind of likes Juliet, it seems, but she leaves the girl in the cell, you know, as she looks for a way to escape. Right. Molt gets a bit cocky for knocking out such a large human like Butler, but starts to book it when he sees the big guys start to stir. He runs into Holly briefly and shows her the copy of the book he found in the safe. She now knows how Artemis has been playing by the fairy rulebook. He literally had the fairy rulebook. Oh, okay, okay. She immediately goes into stealth mode, hidden by the naked eye. She's pissed at what she's been through, and Mulch does not feel envious of Artemis at this point, as he will have to endure Holly's wrath. Artemis is starting to freak out, and I am overjoyed. I really do not like this kid. <laughs> His plans seem to be falling apart. However, after a few moments of relaxation technique, he realizes he still has the upper hand. For some reason, he purposefully made some mistake during his negotiation session with Commander Root earlier. Like, he did it on purpose. He made a mistake of some sort. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what it is. He is actually counting on the LEP retrieval team to detonate the biobomb. He wants this to happen for some weird reason. Kid is a freak. So he can become a genius... Savior. I don't, I don't know, Mom. Molt gets back to the wine cellar and takes a deep dive to start his tunnel back out of the house, but that's when Butler grabs him and pulls him back up. Butler calls him a goblin, which I know really pissed Mulch off. After nearly getting hit again with soil excrement, <laughs> Butler loses grip and Mulch gets away. Of course, Butler doesn't like the outcome and vows to get Mulch someday. Dude, let it go ego much <laughs> now that mulch is safely digging away he veers off course and grabs a rabbit from a neighboring tunnel he then proceeds to kill the rabbit yelling cave in cave in 
before he purposefully loses the iris, the, the eye connection on his iris cam. Mm-hmm. He fools everyone that he's died, basically. They see blood, everything, but it's actually a rabbit. Right. He has successfully escaped. With Mulch out of commission, the two experts, who I haven't named, return after studying the footage of the negotiation from earlier. They figured out Artemis's mistake, no doubt the one that he wanted them to, you know, to find, for sure. Mm-hmm. He said that they couldn't enter his house while, his house while he was still alive. Right. So it seems the new plan is to get the gold from the council, trade it for Captain Short, then biobomb the house, killing Artemis and allowing them to enter and take the gold back. Right. Seems like a good plan if the reader weren't already aware that it would blow up in his face, except there's a wrench that even Artemis didn't see coming. Mutiny. Mm. While Root has fully called the council to get permission for the gold, Lieutenant Cudgeon has launched a plan of his own behind Root's back. Just like Foley said he would. Oh. He called the council and snitched. They didn't like that Root got Mulch Diggums involved and now have turned command of the mission over to Cudgeon, who is planning on sending in a troll. I knew Root's arrogance would end up screwing him over, and here we are. So, a troll is apparently feral and cannot be reasoned with. <laughs> Cudgeon knows this and just wants it to be let loose, destroying the house and everyone in it. This sounds very familiar. Don't listen to the experts. Mm-hmm. Just do what you want to do because you want to get the glory. <laughs> Let's not name names. He's convinced that they can keep the troll under control so that they can rescue Captain Holly Short. But he doesn't seem concerned if she ends up collateral damage in the scheme he's cooked up. Root calls him out. It's all politics. It has nothing to do with doing what is right. Cudgeon just wants a clear way into the council and being a little tattletale is how he's going to do it. Even though Root is dim-witted and often rude to him, Foley still shows solidarity for his commanding officer by snarking on Cudgeon that he will. this will all blow up in his face. Root feels a brief camaraderie with Foley, but quickly ranks, you know, turns his rank on him. He gets Foley on the phone to all of his supporters so that they can lobby on his behalf to the council. Meanwhile, Holly is slipping through the vast house undetected. She narrowly misses being trampled by Butler, who's looking for Juliet. She then enters a room, and Artemis is waiting for her, with anti-shield glasses on. Holly doesn't really speak to him, but scours the room and gets an LEP helmet that Butler collected from the squad earlier. All the while, Artemis is bragging about her being a prisoner and having to do whatever he says, blah, blah, blah. She then hears Foley over the helmet radio, telling her about the incoming troll. She looks up and notices that Artemis is without Butler's protection, so she rears back and slugs him straight in the nose with her little fairy hand, which I'm sure hurt no matter how small she is. And I'm cheering at this point because Artemis needs to get hurt a bit. If he's going to pull these selfish and cruel stunts, he needs it. She basically tells him to be a good little boy, and he's cowering. (laughs) He doesn't have a shitty little comeback this time. Yeah. Is he finally learning that maybe he shouldn't be so full of himself? Doubtful. So, acting commander... Lieutenant Cudgeon is in way over his head. He's more concerned with bad language his team is using than what is actually going to start happening. They have a troll in a cage, it seems, and they're using explosives and all this stuff to irritate it so it'll attack. Mm -hmm. All this dude can think about is a damn council seat. Freaking asshole, I hate politics. Mm -hmm. Back to Butler, who is rushing to find where Juliet has been. The book actually references that a bead of sweat runs down his shaved head. Remember that for when you watch the movie, FYI. Because in the preview, he's got blonde hair. Okay. Will do. 
He arrives at Captain Short's cell, where Juliet is cheering and laughing at an imaginary wrestling match she's been hypnotized to see on the concrete wall. Butler thinks she's been drugged. Mm -hmm. He has a moment of, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> that's basically how he, he doesn't say that, but that's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thought, you know. And then he immediately snatches Juliet away from her wall of wrestling. She's kicking and complaining the whole time he carries her upstairs. And that's when Artemis comes in on the radio telling him to take cover. Actually, he says that the first thing he says is, quote, lollipops, a code word, I guess. And then he just decides to talk down to Butler like the little shit he is. Just as Butler arrives at the lobby with Juliet thrown over his shoulder, the front door basically explodes. <laughs> now would be the time for him to literally say, I'm and getting too old for this, this shit. shit. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so with Juliet still under the mesmer and talking gibberish, he can't risk any gunfire fire if he were to run with her on his back. You know, she'll get shot up. Yes. So he sets her down, prepared to take on whatever it is, until he sees the troll with glowing, quote, night eyes hey. and tusks made for gutting prey. Right. This is the first time in a very long time that Butler is visibly shaken. He actually lets out a quick gasp as the troll enters the house. Like, he is not ever, he is not shaken or moved, like, at all. And he's, <gasps> gasps. It would be a pretty horrendous-looking creature, though. Well, yeah. To think about it. The troll instantly jumps towards Juliet, who thinks he's some sort of wrestler named Bigfoot Bob that should go to be in the Andes right now. And this is like the troll's like, "What is going on with this chick?" And Butler instantly raises his gun and fires into the troll's chest, but the troll stabs him with his tusks, poisoning him with an anesthetic. Mm -hmm. This ain't looking good for Butler's family, you know. Nope. So enter Captain Holly Short, superhero extraordinaire. <laughs> she does a little parkour around the banisters, hoping to at least save Juliet. She tries to blast her sonics, basically a high-pitched electronic dog whistle type thing, so that she can incapacitate the troll for a second, but it fails. Oh. Time to switch to physical contact, and methinks Holly is a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome at this point, because if I were her, I would be trying to save these fools after all the shit that they've started. I'd be out of there fast. But whatever. She's a good person. She uses her suit to propel herself at G-force speed into the troll. And this irritates the troll enough to forget about Butler for a second. But now, Holly is tangled all in the fur on the troll's back. And something about there being, quote, quote cleaner slugs on his back? Oh. It's gross. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's gross. The troll reaches back and grabs Holly by the helmet. He pulls her off his back and holds her close to his face, ready to snack. And Foley and Root start telling her via the intercom to turn on her helmet lights. She tries, but they are offline. She realizes she picked up one of the, the bad helmets that Artemis was messing around with and disconnected a whole bunch of stuff. So trying one last stunt, she tries to headbutt the troll, which does nothing. Ooh. However... <laughs> <laughs> However, for a second, the headbutt jumpstarts her helmet lights, blinding the troll's sensitive eyes, causing him pain. Good. Because they're night eyes and blight lights. Ah, it hurts. Good, good, good. She gets flung up against the wall, obviously injured. Luckily, she performed the ritual earlier and has plenty of magic to heal herself. And oh yeah, she landed next to Butler, touching his arm. Uh-oh. She proves that she's totally a good guy by sending her magic through her fingertips to heal him before she passes out. Oh, that was sweet. That was really sweet. 
The troll starts to close in on Holly. Apparently, human meat is more tender than fairy meat. Uh. Butler wakes up in a ton of pain, but realizes he's alive when he shouldn't be. That's when he notices the blue, sparkly magic dancing around all around him, healing his wounds. Boom! He's healed. He feels awesome and ready to kick some troll ass. <laughs> Good. He's got one to kick. Yeah. And like when someone gets a one-up, you know, in a game, uh-huh. it's five. a sudden burst of energy with a, you know, a company with powerful joy, you know. We got to get up and slam hands, yeah. you know. <laughs> Commander Root and Foley are struggling to get the video and Captain Short Helmet going, and when they finally do, they see what Holly is actually witnessing at the time. The human, Butler, in a suit of armor, carrying a mace and going toe-to-toe with the troll, and it's pretty awesome. Oh. Basically, he outmaneuvers the troll, giving him hits with the mace and eventually delivering some hard bullets between the eyes. It just gives him a concussion. Okay. The troll, because he's got thick, you know. Skull, yeah, yeah. Before Butler can finish him off, Holly stops him. He takes mercy on the troll and puts him on the trolley cart and rolls him out of the house. And Root and Foley are amazed. They cannot believe a human went toe-to-toe with the troll and survived. Really? Yeah. Last chapter, The Home Stretch. Holly has trapped Artemis by blasting the door handle and sealing it shut. It's also hot to the touch. Artemis is annoyed, but a little impressed with the LEP strategy to try and get someone in the house to cry for help and interpret it as an invitation so that they can enter legally. So that's why they send in the troll. They get somebody to cry for help and they can go in. Right. But they haven't cried for help. He really has this whole fairy Bible rule scanned into his head, you know. Mm -hmm. He pulls up the radio and calls for Commander Root. First, Foley answers and tells him he's doomed because there's no escaping the time stop or the bio bomb. And then Root comes on and basically tells him the same thing. Artemis' calls his bluff and asks if he really wants to take that chance, considering how far ahead he's been of them the whole time. And Root concedes. He knows this kid's smart. Mm -hmm. Just when you think Artemis is about to be nice, a cool, nice person, nope. He says he feels betrayed for their agreement, which he was actually counting on, the conniving little twat. (laughs) I get that his master plan calls for it, but I don't like people who play head games and then gloat about it. Butler breaks down the door, and Artemis fills him in. They both question why Captain Short healed Butler, and now Butler feels all guilty for holding her for ransom. Never flinching Artemis assures Butler she will be returned to her people unharmed. After Butler hints at disapproval of this mission, Artemis acknowledges that this is, isn't one of their most elegant heists. <laughs> so maybe Artemis is just being a little shit for this book only, maybe? I sure hope so, because I don't know how anyone can read the rest if he's always going to be the bad guy like this. <laughs> Elsewhere, Root has just informed Cudgeon that the Council has reinstated Root as the acting commander of the mission, and they want to see Cudgeon right away. He is pissed. He even tries to attack Root. But Root, quote, accidentally shoots him with his finger dart. (laughs) See, that was important. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's a little coy about it, but you know he did it on purpose. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He did all the work. Mm -hmm. He's the one that got it right. So they carry Cudgeon's knocked-out ass away. And Foley and Root discuss the plan. They have 15 minutes left before the time stop ends, exposing them topside in the middle of day. They get ready to send in the gold, and I presume the biobomb, via some sort of hovercraft. Kind of sounds like a drone. Root has told Holly that Artemis knows about the biobomb. She thinks he's completely nuts, and I agree. She doesn't really like Artemis, but has grown fond of Juliet and doesn't want her hurt. 
She flies to the lobby as Butler and Artemis await the ransom. They all notice that the time stop is getting close to ending as little streams of daylight start breaking through. She chews Artemis out for endangering her and the others in this whole scheme. She even turns to Butler, but he doesn't flinch, stating that he trusts Artemis. Though internally, it seems his loyalties may be wavering because of all these shenanigans. The hovering trolley carrying the gold shows up and bumps into the top step just above, outside the front door. Butler goes out to check for any weapons, but only finds a camera that Root and Foley hid on the cart. Artemis is starting to get a little too excited trying to calm himself down. I have this feeling he's going to make some sort of mistake, and I'm here for it. He deserves a good letdown after all the mean things he's done in the name of restoring his family's fortune. Mm -hmm. They all gaze upon the gold. Holly is drooling over it because, you know, fairies love them some gold and other minerals too, but it's gold especially. Mm -hmm. She urges Artemis to give up because they won't let him keep the gold. A human has never held on to fairy gold. She seems to respect him at least, and he seems to respect her too. Still, cocky as ever, he tells her that he has it under control. Okay, kid, whatever you say. He gets Butler and Juliet to unload the gold and turns to Holly, asking what he would do or have to do to buy a wish from her. Hmm. Methinks he found the loophole. So the LEP team spots Holly exiting Foul Manor with at least half of the gold. They quickly take her in for a debriefing, where Root says that she did a good job and not to worry because they'll get the rest of the gold once they detonate the biobomb. Holly says, and fully confirms, that if Artemis does survive the biobomb, he gets to keep the gold per fairy law. <laughs> Artemis pours some Dom Perignon for he and Butler and Juliet to toast their victory. Instantly, Butler knows he's been drugged, and he's a bit peeved at Master Fowl for doing this to him and Juliet, but I guess he'll get over it. After Butler and, Ju Butler and Juliet are sufficiently knocked out, Artemis drugs himself as well, and he goes down. The biobomb is sent in, exploding in a flash of blue, killing all living things on the premises like insects and fish and flowers. Anything bio. Mm -hmm. The LEP team, along with Captain Short, come in to do a sweep on the premises. It doesn't take long for some members of the group to start vomiting, and Foley realizes that it's because they don't have an invitation to enter, which is needed because the resident is still alive. The little punk did it. <laughs> he did, didn't he? <laughs> Holly makes her way to the cell where she's sure she'll find Artemis and company, but they aren't there. Frustrated, she tells Root, who commands her to come back in and leave the gold behind because, let's face it, the kid won. Captain Short huffs, vowing, Until next time, Artemis Fowl. Next time! <laughs> she doesn't actually say that, but that's the vibe I got. Right. A little side story. So, um, Mulch has smelled half of the gold in the custody of the LEP to team when she brought it out right. and takes the opportunity to sneak in and steal it for a quote retirement fund for himself okay he plans to live above ground as a quote human dwarf convinced that humans will believe anything as long as there's money attached to it and he's not wrong <laughs> so butler wakes artemis up demanding an answer as to why he drugged him and his little sister if i were artemis i wouldn't keep sidestepping the question and just just reply honestly mm-hmm Whatever. After much prodding, he tells Butler that he figured out from old fairy tales, basically, that if humans were asleep, the time stop would just happen around them. Think of, like, the cobbler and his shoes, and those are when the fairies all showed up and when people were asleep. Right. Right. And it happened, like, quick. However, it's nearly impossible to go to sleep if you're already awake during the time stop, which is why he had to drug them. 
the test subject was his mother because of all of her crazy sleeping pills. Right. You know, so he looked on the camera and saw she was gone. And he knew, boom, that's what it was. I had to be asleep. Still miffed, Butler forgives Artemis and makes him confirm they will stick to more tasteful ventures in the future. Just in time for the loft door to open and Angeline Fowle to rejoin the world as a normal person. My guess is that (laughs) Artemis' wish from Holly had something to do with getting his mother's sanity back. Oh. She's already starting to live again. He is overjoyed and feels like a little boy again, something he's needed to feel like for the entirety of this damn book. Of course, all this means is that he'll have to be sneakier with his schemes so as not to let his mother know what he's up to. Mm-hmm. Epilogue. The case file is closed on this case, but not before confirming that there are many more Artemis file cases later, and Captain Holly Short is the foremost expert on the boy genius. What's funny is that the person writing the case file makes a comment that both Artemis and Short are protagonists that help each other in a goblin war later on down the line. So basically, they secretly respect Artemis' genius, I guess. Perhaps I'll have to keep reading the other books to find out. I don't know. The end. Hey! It was very, very good and very interesting. A lot of characters, though, Dustin. I know, there's a lot of characters and a lot of new laws and things you have to understand and so mainly i already know you like holly short yeah you know and the whole mulch diggums thing where he's you know basically stealing things and unhinging his jaw and then pooping out everything it's kind of funny so what do you actually feel about artemis fowl i think that he is down because he doesn't have a father around or his mother was acting crazy so I think that he just didn't have any real live people to guide him correctly. And the butler was the best thing he's had. It's just kind of sad that he had to grow up by himself and do the best he could and figure things out in mean situations. And unfortunately turn into a little shithead. Yeah, that too. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Thank you, Mom. Maybe we'll get to read another book sometime soon. I would like that. All right. Have any comments or questions about Artemis Fowl or the show in general? Reach out to me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or Instagram at both Dustin C. Holden and Dustin Can Read. Email me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Please be sure to subscribe and be alerted of new episodes as well as rate and comment on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Dustin Can Read. Dustin Can Read.